You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Halley. Hello, and thank you once again for tuning in to The Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. Lots to get to for the Edmonton Oilers very quickly, though. If you're going to, you know, have some fun this weekend with the uh, Super Bowl, we've got NHL, you got the NBA, lots to get to. Might I recommend DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports? It's a lot of fun. They help us uh, keep going here on the Hockey Podcast Network. If you're going to sign up, make sure to use promo code THPN. It can help you out in a lot of ways, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that later on in the show today. We've got a great one coming up. Of course, the big news of the day, the Edmonton Oilers parting ways with head coach Dave Tippett after the better part of three seasons. If my math is correct, he is uh, finishing up with a record of 95, a 62-14 with the Oilers in his tenure, two playoff appearances, two first-round exits, and a struggling hockey team as of late. So the Edmonton Oilers uh, making that change today. Jim Playfair as well on his way out. And with that, new beginnings. Jay Woodcroft, the head coach of the uh, Bakersfield Condors, gets the promotion alongside Dave Manson. Uh, he did spend time with the Oilers and as, a, as an assistant coach a couple of years ago under Todd McClellan, but he gets the jump up to join the big club here. So on the show today, we're going to talk a lot about that, that being uh, kind of the big news here. We'll talk to Ryan Holt. He is the voice of the Bakersfield Condors. Uh, he'll share some insight on not only Jay Woodcroft, but Dave Manson, a guy who played over 1,100 games in the NHL and uh, spent some time with the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, we're also going to talk to Zach Lane from Oilers and Nation, friend of the show. Before we bring Zach in here, also just want to let you guys know that uh, Zach Cassian will be out for a little while here. Uh, fractured jaw looks like four to eight weeks, I believe, are the reports. Also, Duncan Keith, after that nasty collision uh, with the boards, he'll be out two to four weeks. So uh, the Edmonton Oilers going to be in a little bit of trouble here on the injury front. Uh, other guys getting opportunities, though, Philip Broberg and Marcus Niemelainen recalled today. Also have Kyle Turris going on the IR. So we'll talk about that. And much, much more. Zach Lang of Oilers Nation and Daily Faceoff. You can give him a follow on Twitter at ZJLang. Zach, how are you doing today, buddy? Oh, I'm doing good. It's been a, a bit of a whirlwind day, to say the least. You know, I, I woke up this morning and I rolled over and checked my phone. And the first thing that I saw was Dave Tippett being fired. <laughs> and uh, now I'm wrapping up my work day here chatting to you, oh, about 10 hours later. So it's uh, been a bit of a hectic day, to say the least. Yeah, yeah, it really has been. I mean, I, I was woken up by a text from my dad, actually, saying, is it true? <laughs> I mean, like, Oilers fans obviously been calling this for a little while here. I, for, for a little bit, I tried to defend Tippett, Zach. I, I won't lie to you. I said, let's, let's see what happens. And then we got, you know, to the, the Christmas break and, I, I I was changing sides. I thought something had to change for this team. Obviously, you know, Ken Holland decided not to make the move immediately, but after the last couple performances against Vegas, uh, and then last night against the Chicago Blackhawks, it was clear that something needed to change with this team. So overall, I have to assume you're not too surprised by the decision. Um, honestly, I kind of am a little bit surprised. I won't lie. Um, you know, it's less than a month ago that Ken Holland spoke to Oilers media, or Edmonton media rather, and gave a vote of confidence to Dave Tippett and said that it wasn't something that was being considered. Um, so in a sense, I am surprised. Uh, given what Holland said less than a month ago here. But in the same breath, I'm not, because, you know, as you mentioned, Connor, two abysmal performances coming out of the All-Star break, um, it's clear that something needed to change. And for the Edmonton Oilers, the easy move is to change the head coach. Um, 
Obviously, it's a tried method that the Oilers have employed for a number of years now. I think, you know, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is his ninth or tenth coach now. It's, it's kind of unreal when you look at it from the big picture. But at the end of the day, I don't think Steve Tips was getting enough out of the players that he was given. And uh, I think that's what led to his eventual demise. So, Zach, when you look at, you know, the past, what, f- three seasons here with the Edmonton Oilers and what we saw out of head coach Dave Tippett, um, what do you think changed the last couple of years? Like, what got us to this point, I guess, this season where, you know, something had to change? I mean, that's a great question. I think that's something that the Edmonton Oilers are asking uh, of themselves and Dave Tippett as well. It's hard to exactly pinpoint what went wrong um, because, you know, for the first two years in Edmonton, he looked really strong as a coach. Like, he got a lot out of these teams. Um, You know, 585 points percentage in his first year, 643 in the second year, but you know, the playoff performances were abysmal, right? One win in eight playoff games. Uh, simply put, that's unacceptable. You know, and let's not forget that as of December 1st, this was a team that was 16-5. and five. Um, They were sitting atop the NHL points percentage-wise, and, and it looked like a team that was going to be a force to be reckoned with. I, I think the question is, is what happened after December 1st? Um, because that's what led into the real skid for the Edmonton Oilers, where they struggled. And, and since that date, they've gone 7-13-3, and and that's just absolutely unacceptable for this team when you look at the players that are on it. So a lot of the blame, I think, falls on Tippett. I think there was a lot of coaching decisions he made um, that didn't help the Edmonton Oilers. And, and at the end of the day, it comes down to the players on the ice as well, right? You know, we've seen it too how many times you can change a coach and nothing changes. Um, so now it's it's really going to be gut check time for the players uh, on this team to to try and really change this thing around. Now we've seen it. I mean, there's been prime examples of it this season in Philadelphia. Nothing really changed, and they made their coaching uh, decision and you know swapped uh, out in Vancouver when Boudreau got there. There was an immediate kind of change there, and for a while uh, they played pretty good hockey. With Jay Woodcroft coming up from the Condors alongside Dave Manson, what kind of an immediate impact do you think that can have for this team? And, you know, will it be a good one? Yeah, I think it's going to be a positive impact. You know, uh, Jay Woodcroft and Dave Manson have familiarity with a lot of the players on this team. Of course, you know, Woodcroft was a coach for this team years ago, and he's familiar with a, a long list of these players. And on top of that, there's a lot of young guys, or younger guys, I should say, on this roster that, you know, Manson helped bring up and Woodcroft helped bring up as well. So I think the impact's going to be positive and I think it's going to be seen pretty quickly. Um, uh, again, that familiarity that Woodcroft already has with his franchise, this organization, a lot of these players, I think it's only going to play to the benefit uh, in the long run. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me, you know, one bit to see a guy like Tyler Benson, for example, starting to get into more games here and playing more of a significant role. I wouldn't be surprised to see Stuart Skinner getting some more time in the crease. Again, this is a guy that Woodcroft knows and trusts very well. Um, you know, And then you've got a couple of young guys in Nima Linen and Broberg that are coming up as well. They're going to be asked to step into roles that are, are, are immediate in the NHL here with Duncan Keith going on the uh, injured reserve and Chris Russell on the LTIR today. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. You know, is it going to be Bruce Boudreaux or is it going to be the Mike Yo side of things? I think it's going to be somewhere in the middle. Um, I think this team really needs to try and take an even-keeled approach. But at the end of the day, 
you know, this is a team that's going to have to win a, a heck of a lot of hockey games here if they have any chance of making the playoffs this year. Now, I can't lie to you. The first thing that came to mind when I saw that it would be Jay Woodcroft, I, th- I thought back to Todd Nelson. And, uh, you know, obviously he was the interim head coach for a little while here, uh, had done a great job with the AHL affiliate, and then the next offseason they lost him. So for me, um, if I was Jay Woodcroft, I, I would have been, and I, you know, you know, you're obviously really wanting the opportunity, but you don't hold any of the power. But I kind of would have thought, hey, can you give me a year plus this season? Like, give me an actual opportunity to turn this thing around. Uh, do you have any fear that we could see Todd Nelson 2.0, and if things don't go perfect in the off season, they might look outside the building? Yeah, I think it's very possible. Um, in, in the same breath, too. You know, Jay Woodcroft is a guy who's paid his dues, and Ken Holland alluded to that in his press conference, uh, you know, Thursday afternoon here. You know, he talked about how, you know, Woodcroft began as a video coach with the Detroit Red Wings in the mid to late 2000s. He graduated to the, the San Jose Sharks alongside Todd McClellan, where he was an assistant coach for a number of years. He came to the Oilers, where he was an assistant coach, and now he's had a good run, a really good run. He's actually uh, four years of being a head coach at the American League level. You know, if Jay Woodcroft isn't the head coach of the Edmonton Oilers next year, uh, I'd be willing to bet money that he's going to be a head coach of an NHL team somewhere. Um, I think he's a guy who's ready to take that next step in his career as a coach, um, and I hope that it's with the Edmonton Oilers. You know, it's hard to look at the success that, that Woodcroft has had and imagine anything but that being able to be replicated at the NHL level. You know, Todd Nelson did have some success um, in the American League, but I don't think he was able to do the things that Woodcroft has done, you know, with the group of players. You know, the Bakersfield Condors have had a lot of bodies fly through there in the last four years, and it seems like no matter who was on that team at any given point in time, you know, they were always succeeding. They were always punching above their weight class. Um, even last year, they started the year 0-5 in what was a COVID-shortened year, and they ended up going on to win the Pacific Division title, uh, which last year was the highest, I guess, award that the, the team could have won in the playoff scenario they had built in the American League. So I'm hopeful that, that he'll stick around long-term. I'm hopeful that he'll be able to turn the ship around. Um, I think there's definitely reasons to be optimistic there. And, and, you know, in my eyes, I can understand why the Oilers maybe didn't want to give him any turn. Um, a good chance to kind of step back and reevaluate the organization as a whole, uh, top to bottom here. But I'm pretty confident in Woodcroft and Manson and what they bring to the table for this team. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't wait to see the impact that Dave Manson has. Like, a hard-nosed guy who played, like I said, over 1,100 games in the NHL, uh, plenty of seasons with over 300 pims. So I'm very inter- inter- interested to see what he can do. Uh, one of the things I thought, you know, and it was a really good uh, point brought up by Ryan Rashog on the Jason Greger show, uh, was kind of the lack of accountability with Dave Tippett. And, you know, some guys would be rewarded when maybe they shouldn't be, and other players could be punished when... There was real no re- uh, reason to be punished. Uh, do you think that, you know, for for Jay Woodcroft coming in here, kind of a fresh face? Do you think it'll be easier for him to to just play things, you know, right down the middle and and really have guys, you know, if they've earned it, reward them? And, you know, the first unit power play is not going so well. Less time for them. You don't need them out there for a minute and a half. Do you think for him it might be a little bit easier to do that? Yeah, I think so for sure. I mean, I hope so. Um, I think that was one of the biggest faults that Dave Tippett had as a coach was uh, he put too much faith in certain guys. I mean, hey, you look at Wednesday night uh, against Chicago and his decision to go with Mike Smith on back-to-back nights. Uh, I mean, talk about the straw that broke the camel's back. 
you know, I think Woodcroft needs to come in with that sort of an even keel approach. And, you know, nobody's more important than the team is, right? You know, at the end of the day, the players have to play, you know, for the logo on the front, not the name on the back. I know it's a super cliche term in sports, but it really rings true. And I think especially for this Oilers team, you know, how can anybody feel confident when, when Tippin was playing favorites the way that he had? Um, you know, I think the decision to go with Smith over Skinner in the back-to-back was sort of a perfect encapsulation uh, of Dave Tippett's tenure here in Edmonton to a certain extent. So, you know, I think Woodcroft is a very smart coach. Uh, I think Dave Manson is a very, very smart coach. And I think that at the end of the day, they're going to get the most out of this roster uh, with what they've been given here. Yeah, I was frustrated. Uh, I did a, a hit with uh, the boys on the bear yesterday, and I was like doubling down. I'm like, Stuart Skinner will get the start. Makes no sense to go back with uh, Mike Smith. And literally five minutes later, Tippett speaks to the media and said he's going with Mike Smith. So uh, he made me look bad, but I got the last laugh on him on this one. Uh, who would you start against the Islanders? Uh, would you go with Skinner or are you going back to Mike Smith? Because it is going to be a, a young blue core, blue <laughs> defensive core. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, honestly, I would go with Skinner. I would. Um, even if Dave Tippett was still the head coach, I'd probably go with Skinner here. Uh, you know, there's going to be more than enough opportunity for Mike Smith to get up to speed here. You know, he had the chance to play back-to-back games, but let's not forget that, you know, starting last Tuesday, the Oilers played 40 games in 81 days, right? So there's going to be no lack of hockey to play. And I think if the Oilers really want to go on a run here, they're going to need all three goaltenders to be at the top of their game. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Skinner get some more headway here uh, in the net. You know, I just don't know how the team can necessarily trust uh, Koskinen or Mike Smith at this point in time to deliver what they need to. Um, it's clearly been a down year for Smith. Obviously, the injuries have played a lot into it, but even when he has been in the lineup, there's nothing from his game that has shown me uh, anything to be hopeful about or optimistic about. He doesn't seem to quite be the same Mike Smith that he was uh, a year ago, and I think there's a lot of people, you know, outside of the organization that were kind of saying that. So, you know, it's come back to bit the Oilers in the behind a little bit here, but it's going to be interesting to see the way, um, you know, the the coaching staff deploys not only the goaltenders, but I think the roster as a whole. Zach Lang of Oilers Nation and Daily Faceoff joining me here on the Other Connor Podcast. Uh, Zach, the Oilers in action on Friday night, uh, taking on the New York Islanders, a team who I think we probably had higher expectations for. Uh, they are 6-4 and four in their last 10, so they are getting things back uh, maybe a little bit to more where they expect it to be. Still going to be very tough for them to track down uh, that final playoff spot, but sticking with the Edmonton Oilers for their side. Looking at the lineup, uh, we know Zach Cassian is going to miss some time here. What would your top six look like right now? Uh, first and foremost, I'd be bringing Jesse Pugliarvi back up to the top line uh, alongside Connor McDavid and alongside Evander Kane. Um, you know, Pugliarvi has been snake-bitten here for the last month or two. Um, you know, you have to wonder if, you know, his bout with COVID had anything to do with that as well. He hasn't quite looked like the same player uh, since that happened. I think he's now 14 games or so without a goal. But at the end of the day, he's still been one of the best Oilers night in and night out. Uh, he's an incredibly effective player out there. His underlying numbers uh, have been just tremendous over this last stretch here uh, of 15 games or so. So I think he's very worthy of a, a bump back up to the top line there, you know, playing alongside two highly skilled guys, McDavid and Kane. You know, on the second line, I would bring Yamamoto back down and play him with Dreisaitl. And then on that left wing, that's where you can kind of get interesting. I would probably be comfortable, you know, going with a guy like Ryan McLeod up there on the wing uh, or a guy like Warren Fogle 
you know, I think Fogel is the guy who would add a little bit of size and some extra jam to that uh, that pair of, of Drysaddle and Yamamoto. So I think that uh, even with some of the injuries and illnesses that are affecting the team, uh, I think there's still some really good ways that uh, this top six can be deployed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you know, with Nuge and Hyman out there, you, you just have that versatility, right? Like guys can slide up and down the lineup. Yeah. Uh, uh, and you know what? I was, I was joking with friends. Like uh, yeah, the, the hockey gods did what Dave Tippett wouldn't do. They took Zach Cassian out of the lineup. A lot of people clamoring for that move. Uh, obviously, we don't want to see physical harm to anyone. We don't want to see injury. But uh, yeah, that that's, uh, makes the Oilers lineup a little more interesting. And we'll see how it all works out. Um, just uh, looking on the blue line here now, Duncan Keith out of the lineup. Uh, how how much of an impact do you think that has been? And, and you know, what have you thought of him throughout the season so far? Yeah, Duncan Keith is an interesting one. Um, you know, I was pretty critical of the team, and I still am for even acquiring him in the first place. But, you know, the more and more I watch him, I think he's really kind of settled his game down here quite a bit. And his underlying numbers have looked good. You know, he's controlling over 50% of the shot attempts, gold, and expected goal share when he's on the ice. Uh, so those are all really good things. And, and I think when you watch him play, his game has settled down here a little bit. And, you know, he's an effective second-pairing defenseman right now for the Oilers. And he's a veteran guy, you know, I think he brings some of that to the table as well, without a doubt. You know, is he worth his $5.5 million cap hit right now? No, definitely not. Um, but at the end of the day, I think he is still providing some positive value for the team. And I think they're going to miss him out there. And, you know, if you would have asked me that question three or four months ago, I probably would have had a much different answer for you. Um, but he's definitely a guy that I've come around on this year. And uh, I've been pretty, pretty content with his play. I think he's kept it really simple for the team. And, and I think that's something that they've really needed. You know, it's going to be interesting to see the way that the, the blue line responds. You know, you have to imagine a guy like William Leggison might be getting pumped up to that second pairing um, alongside Cody Cece. Uh, you know, then you go with your top pairing of maybe Darnell Nurse and Evan Bouchard. And then down on the third, you have maybe Marcus Nemalainen playing alongside Tyson Berry. Um, you know, I like Nemalainen's game earlier in the year when he was recalled. You know, can be a big, strong shutdown defenseman for the Oilers, uh, who also provide the physical element that the back end has been sorely missing. I wrote about it the other day on OilersNation.com, but I, I think the the loss of not only Adam Larson but also Dmitry Kulikov off the Oilers blue line from the end of last year uh, have been sorely missed. They were two very, very physical players for the Oilers, uh, breaking up cycles and, and creating uh, space out in front of the net. So. It's going to be interesting to see the way that uh, Woodcroft deploys these lines. I'm, I'm really uh, sort of anxious, I suppose, uh, to see what uh, the lines will be. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, for the first time in a while, I'm kind of excited to see what's going to go on out there. And uh, uh, it should be a lot of fun Friday night. And uh, you know what? I kind of just lied to myself. I was excited when Evander Kane joined the team because I wanted to see how he would fit on the ice, off the ice, I, mm-hmm. I had some concerns. On the ice, though, I was very intrigued. Uh, two goals, two assists, uh, so four points in five games. What have you thought about number 91 out there? Yeah, I think he's starting to really kind of come into his own. You know, I agree with you. You know, I've I've long loved Evander Kane as a player, even dating back to his days, you know, with the Winnipeg Jets and Atlanta Thrashers, which feels like forever ago now. Um, I think he's doing exactly what the Oilers kind of expected him to do, come in, He's a high-shot volume player. He's a physical player. He creates some space out there, and he drives to the net, and that's something that the Oilers have not had a lot of this season. So, you know, I think his addition to this team, you know, makes them better without a doubt. And, I mean, it's hard to argue with the production either, right? Four points, five games. Um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him keep up that clip or better uh, throughout the rest of the season. So, 
I, I really am a fan of uh, the way he's been performing on the ice for the team. Well, Zach, thanks so much for doing this today. Really appreciate it. All your work we found at OilersNation.com. Uh, any, anything else you want to mention? No, I think that's everything. Um, you know, it's been a crazy day um, <laughs> here around Oilers uh, Nation, so it should be picking right back up with uh, what I imagine will be an equally hectic Friday. Well, I mean, I, I hope you, you dropped into the bakery, rewarded yourself with a nice treat because you've earned it today, and uh, go home, rest up, and uh, I'm sure you'll be ready for everything on Friday when the Oilers take on the Islanders. Yeah, absolutely. You know, i got a nice stiff glass of whiskey that's calling my name right about now. Right. <laughs> well, enjoy that, and uh, hopefully we can get you on again down the road here. Yeah, you betcha. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. Great stuff from Zach Lang of Oilers Nation, a daily face-off. Really appreciate him hopping on the podcast here today, and I appreciate him uh, hanging around and not getting too flustered by my inability to speak English. Uh, it's been a long day. I uh, kind of flubbed a little bit of stuff throughout that conversation, but uh, as always, love having Zach on the podcast and uh, sharing his insight. Check out his work at OilersNation.com, and uh, ZJ Lang is the Twitter handle if you want to go give him a follow there. The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here in honor of the big game. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. If Sportsbook isn't yet in your state, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at a one million dollar top prize with their first deposit download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now use promo code THPN and get 56 to 1 odds on either team bet just five dollars and get 280 in free bets if your team wins that's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56 21 plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction see DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state specific responsible gambling resources void where prohibited Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee Red Line 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. And now more of the Other Connor Podcast. Welcome back to the other Connor podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Connor Halley with you. Big shout out to DraftKings, the Hockey Podcast Network. If you want to give me a follow on Twitter, you can do so at Connor Halley for the Edmonton Oilers. They are off on Thursday if you're tuning in Thursday night. If you're tuning in Friday morning, they are in action taking on the New York Islanders, a team that uh, playing better hockey as of late, probably if you were to ask their fan base or their reporters. Not quite where they thought they would be, but uh, they'll be in town on a Friday evening to take on the Edmonton Oilers. That one gets going 7 o'clock down at the Ice District. Pre-game coverage on TSN 1260 starting at 6 o'clock with Tom Gazzola, Matt Cassian, and myself. And, of course, uh, Jay Woodcroft will make his debut for the Edmonton Oilers alongside former Oiler and assistant coach now Dave Manson. And let's talk to someone who's covered the uh, Bakersfield Condors, where Manson and Woodcroft have been the last four seasons. He's seen the ups, he's seen the downs, although the downs, there haven't really been that many. They've done an outstanding job over the last couple seasons with the Condors, balancing winning hockey games and at the same time developing prospects. Ryan Holt, he is the voice of the Condors, and at the same time he also does communications with the group uh 
You can give him a follow on Twitter at Condors Holty. And Ryan, I guess, you know, for you being the play-by-play voice of the team, you also do communications. Uh, what was it like waking up this morning, finding out about the promotion for head coach Jay Woodcroft and assistant coach Dave Manson? And uh, just how much does it change in your day? Yeah, a little bit of a jack-of-all-trades. And, and we obviously wear a bunch of different hats down here in the AHL. And, yeah, came in with my uh, my morning breakfast and, uh, you know, obviously started to to see some of the things uh, start to trickle out. So uh, anytime that type of stuff happens, kind of head down the locker room and just kind of poke my nose around. And uh, it, w- it was quite clear that, uh, that Jay and, and Dave were on the move. So, um, you know, happy for them. Uh, they took a flight out of here, out of Bakersfield today, and uh, I think they're getting into Edmonton tonight. So uh, happy for them. It's going to be uh, a really fun uh, fun time for those two, a uh, really great time in their lives, and, and really excited for both of them. Now, I mean, the success that Jay Woodcroft has had with the Condors organization, pretty well documented. He's been down there. This was his fourth season, I believe. Uh, the first year he's down there, he takes the teams to the playoffs. The next year they miss out. But in 2020, 2021, kind of an abbreviated season, he wins the championship. This year, 18-9 and nine on the season, uh, seven overtime losses in 34 games, uh, and, and really dealing with quite a bit of adversity. Obviously, COVID makes it tough, but... You know, the trickle-down effect from what was going on with the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, he had players in and out of his lineup one day to the next. Just maybe if he can, just speak to, you know, the job he's done so far with the Condors and, and how much he really helped in terms of development. Yeah, and I'll, I'll go with one of his uh, favorite post-game lines after a win. and You know, we're going to enjoy this for five minutes and then get back to work. And I think that kind of embodied the last four years uh, in the sense of, never getting too high, never getting too low. And really this team has had to kind of battle through all that. And it's not just the Condors, but you look at the last four years, you know, his first year he comes in, you know, from Edmonton. The second year gets canceled at the end of it because of COVID. The third year is a shortened year because of COVID. And now this year, navigating all of the, you know, variations in the schedule, uh, the postponements in games through the December month and, and having to, you know, compress the, the time frame here over the last couple of weeks and doing so in a winning manner and doing so while not really disrupting anything from a player perspective. And I think that's, you know, kind of one of the, you know, unheralded things that, you know, him and, and Dave and the coaching staff here in Bakersfield really did was to shelter the players from all of outside you know, travel and uh, hiccups and postponements and COVID and all of that. And players just had to worry about showing up and, and going to the rink and, and um, you know, fine-tuning their craft. And um, on the ice, the record speaks for itself, 105 wins, you know, near at the top, always in goals against, penalty kill. Uh, the power play has been really good this year as well, too. So, um, you know, the underlying metrics are, are great. And, you know, uh, the last four years have been – you know, a pleasure with those two, uh, two division championships, as you mentioned, uh, you know, a, a deep playoff run his first season, you know, in a normal playoff. And then last year, you know, winning two playoff series and, and winning the division uh, over Henderson and Vegas last year. So um, it's been uh, a really fun last four seasons here in Condor stuff. Yeah, and you know what, I, I feel like a lot of coaches probably, you know, go to the AHL and they're looking as it as an opportunity to kind of get that next job and whether that's going to be in the, you know, the, the NHL as an assistant or as a head coach, but it seemed like Jay Woodcoff really embraced the kind of the progress and the process, I should say, down there with the Condors and, you know, he, he's earned this gig. Yeah, absolutely. I think four years ago he bet on himself, I think, 
you know, I don't know whether he'd say that or not, but he certainly bet on himself in the sense of this was one area, head coaching, that, that he hadn't had on, on the resume, you know, from a personal standpoint. Um, you know, he hadn't been in the American Hockey League, you know, as a coach. Uh, and this was an opportunity for him to add head coach to you know his resume and knowing that if he was successful here that doors would open based off his track record in the American Hockey League and his lengthy career in the NHL already as an assistant in a bunch of different organizations so uh, he bet on himself and and I'd say he he won that bet Um, you know I think he came here to Bakersfield to do everything that we kind of accomplished, you know. Um, he took the team to the playoffs twice, two division championships, moved 13 guys on to the NHL, uh, made their NHL debuts, you know, nearly 30 played in Bakersfield and Edmonton. And I think you look at a lot of players that are in Edmonton right now, they got better after coming back down to Bakersfield. You see guys like Ryan McLeod, Kyle Yamamoto, when they had those stints in Bakersfield after being in Edmonton for a little bit and coming back to Bakersfield, they kind of hit the refresh button and went back up to Edmonton with kind of a new outlook. So interested to see, um, you know, him in the NHL with, with Dave Manson. And obviously he's going to have a bunch of familiar faces up there uh, in Edmonton to, to look in that dressing room. Now, I, I just, I, you know, obviously went to his DB page. I didn't have this all memorized or anything, but uh, Jay Woodcroft started off as a video coach with the Detroit Red Wings, uh, you know, then goes to San Jose with Todd McClellan, follows McClellan to the Oilers organization, goes down as a head coach with the Condors back in 2018. Uh, in, in the four years since then, I mean, he, he seems like a guy who just is kind of a sponge and picks things up. Is there anything you noticed in terms of changes for Jay Woodcroft in his time with the Condors, you know, areas that he might have improved on as a head coach? Yeah, I think first and foremost, I think, you know, it was a learning experience for him in the American Hockey League. In the NHL, things are, I mean, let's face it, in terms of uh, off-ice, things uh, are a little easier. The the travel's easier, um, the meals are easier, uh, the schedule is a a little less uh, daunting on on coaches in terms of what you're expected to do outside of being a head coach. But Jay really ingrained himself uh, here in the community of Bakersfield and um, you know, was a was a fixture in the community. Uh, obviously, his wife and two daughters uh, here in Bakersfield as well too, and uh, going to schools here and playing uh, sports here and, and different activities. So, um, I think that was one aspect. I think that he learned uh, coming down here to the American Hockey League is is how many different hats kind of an AHL head coach wears uh, on a day to day basis. It's not just uh, show up and and play. Uh, you know, and go behind the bench. Uh, there's other expectations, and, and I think he did a tremendous job of that. And, um, you know, this community loved him. This community loved this team and, and still does and still supports the team. But um, it's been uh, been a fun last four four years with him. But the detail, the preparation, everything you hear, and, and uh, you know, other people can speak on it, you know, even more than I can. But, um, you know, his detail and preparation and, and being over-detailed for himself so that he can simplify things for the players and for the staff um, is really a, a big benefit, uh, you know, and a big weight taken off uh, a lot of players' shoulders and a lot of staff shoulders. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, and I, I know that he's got a lot of fans in Edmonton. Of course, we have him on the Dave James or on the Jason Greger show. I should say I should know the show that I work on. Uh, you, of course, know this because you coordinate all those interviews, and we always appreciate that. So I know he's got a lot of fans up at Edmonton. It's it's going to be really cool to see the impact that can that he can have on this team. Uh, one more that we should definitely give some credit to because I think he deserves it, and he might not always get it. But Dave Manson's been running the blue line with the Condors uh, for the last four seasons. What what do you think he 
he's going to bring to the NHL. I mean, a guy who played for a long time, he played with the Oilers. He, he was one of the first Oilers I can actually remember uh, when I became a fan of the team. I was quite young, but uh, kind of cool to see him come back full circle now as an assistant coach. What do you think Oilers fans can expect from him, and what will he bring to the blue line? Yeah, you talk about a tough, hard-nosed defender. Um, you know, when he played, he's the same way as a coach. Uh, players love playing for Dave. Uh, defensemen that, that I've talked to, they absolutely rave about his ability to communicate with them and, and to take, you know, complex structure and systems and, and really simplify things on the blue line. And I think the proof is in the pudding with Dave when you look at defensemen that have gone on and had an impact for the Edmonton Oilers it's not just the first rounders guys you would anticipate you know being full-time NHLers like the Bouchards and the Burlbergs eventually of the world those guys you expect to be full-time NHLers but it's kind of those secondary and tertiary defensemen which have really taken off here in Bakersfield I'm talking about guys like Ethan Bear like Caleb Jones over the last couple of seasons and more recently guys like Marcus Niemelainen and William Lagesson and Vinny DeHarnay, who's here in Bakersfield and who might be the team's top defenseman. He's on an American Hockey League contract. His development from being a, a PTO guy here in Bakersfield to being a, a top-pairing defenseman with the Condors is largely a credit, and he would say so, to, to Dave Manson and his ability you know, to get the most out of every defenseman on there. And I think that's what Dave and, and Jay both would kind of be proud of the most, I think, is is the ability the last couple of seasons to get the most out of players, whether you were a first-round pick to get the most out of you and to get you to the NHL, whether you're a bubble guy to get you in a full-time AHL position. And guys really bought in. They bought into the culture. And, uh, you know, Dave is uh, a good friend. And, uh, you know, he's been uh, he's been great for me and great to work with him. And He's gonna do. Uh, he's gonna do great things at the next level because players love playing for him. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, his resume is fantastic. Over a thousand games played in the NHL. Was was he maybe a sounding board for for Coach Woodcroft at times? Just someone who's played in the game and uh, you know played at an extremely high level. Someone he could go to to just maybe just bounce things off, bounce ideas off. I think so, and you know, and I think Jay is a as as student of a game as 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 anybody and. <laughs> Um, you know, I think he wants to surround himself with people who are, are going to make him better and make this organization better and make the team better. And you add a guy with over a thousand NHL games, you know, as Dave would often say, you know, everyone talks about the fights. Nobody ever talks about my goals, uh, but he had, he had a punch of those too. So, um, you know, I think his, his voice in the dressing room lends credibility to everything he's saying because, He's played the game. He, I mean, when you have a guy with 1,100 NHL games talking to you and telling you, hey, this is how we can get things done, and, and the results are, you know, showing their, you know, fruits here over the last, uh, you know, three, four years. Um, you know, look at Niemelainen and Broberg coming up here just today. You know, Marcus Niemelainen was kind of an afterthought, I think, two years ago. And now all of a sudden he comes into the organization, works with Dave Manson, works with Jay Woodcroft and the staff down here, and, you know, he's a budding NHL prospect here for the Soilers organization. So, um, you know, I'll be interested to see how they kind of deploy things and, and whether they, they give some uh, some added looks to some guys who, you know, maybe they felt have, have deserved some looks here in Bakersfield. But, you know, today's just a, a great day to, you know, be a condor and a great day for this organization and couldn't be happier for those two. Yeah, you, know, you talk about the toughness of Dave Manson, but yeah, 15 goals, 14 goals, 18 goals. I mean, <laughs> on top of the 300-plus penalty minutes, the guy uh, the guy had some offensive upside there as well and a sick mullet 
it for a little while. Uh, I got to ask one last yeah, one last question for you because I know people get mad at me if I don't. Uh, uh, Dylan Holloway, what have you seen from him so far for the Oilers, uh, former first-round pick? Yeah, I think there was a lot of excitement early on with Dylan, and rightfully so, right? This kid's got a, a ton of skill, a, a ton of talent. He'd been off the ice for, you know, about a year, you know, almost a, a full year without without really playing. Um, so for him to, to step in, I think there was a lot of excitement. He's got five points in seven games. You know, he's got two multi-point games as well, too. Um, but I think now you're getting into the grind of an AHL season, and, and we're picking up here with, I think, eight games in our next 13 days with some travel mixed in, too. So um, the grind is starting to pick up, and I think this next month is going to be really big for him. Um, to really start to learn the pro game. I mean, you come out of Wisconsin where you're playing one, maybe two games a weekend. You get the winter break as well, too. You know, this is a lot different right now. So um, we're happy to have him. He's been a a great addition. Uh, Him, James Hamlin have been terrific on that line with Tim Schaller, a veteran in the NHL. So uh, looking forward to his progress, but certainly – Certainly has uh, has the uh, the grind coming up here, and, and certainly has the the, the NHL skill set, the NHL frame uh, to be able to get to the next level. It's not a matter of if; I think it's a matter of when uh, he does get up to the Edmonton Oilers. And I think he's when he does get up there, he'll be uh, certainly ready for the opportunity. Well. Ryan, really appreciate you doing this today. Love all the insight, and uh, I know Oilers fans are very excited to see what happens on Friday night against the Islanders. Uh, thanks for doing this again, and uh, we'll have to get you on again because I, I know the people are going to have a lot of questions about what's going on down in Bakersfield. Absolutely, Connor, anytime. Great stuff from Ryan Holt. He is the voice of the Condors, also helps out on the communication side of things, and we always appreciate Ryan because he really helps me out on the day-to-day basis, uh, helped us get Jay Woodcroft and players and coaches on the show all the time, so a big shout-out to Ryan Holt and uh, everyone down there in Bakersfield. Uh, they do great work, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun now to see what happens here with Jay Woodcroft as he is uh, promoted up to the big club head coach on an interim basis. Uh, that's going to do it for us here on the Other Connor Podcast today. The Edmonton Oilers in action Friday night, taking on those at New York Islanders. 7 o'clock puck drop down at the Ice District. Then they're off until Monday. A nice Valentine's Day matchup. 8.30 puck drop. So, uh, you know, if you're, you're taking your partner out for a nice meal or cooking them dinner, you know, you can have the meal, you can sit back, relax, and then watch an 8.30 start. Oilers and San Jose Sharks should be a lot of fun. Thank you to everyone who tuned into this show today. Really appreciate it. Got to thank our guest, Zach Lang of Oilers Nation, as well as the voice of the Condors, Ryan Holt. Love having those guys on the program. For us, we'll be back, I believe, on Wednesday. We'll recap uh, the Oilers' little California road trip. They take on the Sharks on Monday, like I said, and then Tuesday they're in Los Angeles to take on the Kings. Uh, quickly, shout-out to our sponsor, DraftKings. Sign up today. Use promo code THBN. Also, the fine folks of the Hockey Podcast Network. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. I'm Connor Halley. You can give me a follow on Twitter, at Connor Halley. We'll talk to you next time here on the Other Connor Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.